Welcome to Linux The Rest of Us, episode 254. Hey, hey, Jonathan. How's everything going, man? Everything is awesome on my end now that I'm uh, speaking with you. Uh, trust me, I absolutely feel the same way. Um, I'll say this show is, I'm going to say, brought to you by Smallbox Admin. And Smallbox Admin might say, well, why is that? Well, it so happens he pinged me in Discord and said, is Linux for the rest of us pod fading? And quite literally, like five seconds before that, you sent me an email, Jonathan, asking if you wanted to record a show. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, timing is everything. So I'll say thank you, Small Box Admin, for not forgetting about us, number one. Uh, and I'll thank Jonathan for coming out. Um, so the long and the short of it, Jonathan, is we haven't. this show has not done a show for over a year now. But here's the thing. If we were to time travel from that time to today, really, mm. I don't know how much of the world of Linux would have actually changed. Uh, I'm hearing you. I picked up. We're reading. I'm reading stories here, and I don't think I missed too much of uh, too much of the world in any year's time in the Linux world. That is. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's pl plenty of advancements that have been happening. There's plenty of changes that have been happening, but nothing like the changes that we witnessed back in like, you know, 2008, 2010, 2012 kind of time frame. Um, oh, yeah. And it seems like a huge, huge percentage of the updates and changes are either kernel level, uh, like under the radar kind of thing that normal people just won't interact with, um, or enterprise focused stuff that I really could care less about. Yeah, I could not like care less about. Like containers and stuff. Those are insane right now. Yeah, and I mean, they're cool. Don't get me wrong. I could see how I could use them, but I, you know, it's like I can use a wrench, I can use a power tool, and they, you know, I, and I can use other things. But if the one tool you have works, works, why on God's or green earth would you push yourself to use other technology when you don't have to? I mean, if you want to exercise stuff and try stuff out, I get it. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the, uh, the free and open source world we live in, right, Dor? Yes, it gives us the opportunity to try anything <laughs> we want, whenever we want, as long as we're not, you know, like um, freedom haters. Exactly. <laughs> and I will say, speaking Let's... of freedom haters, um, I did talk to Chad last night, and he was asking hey how, how, how that you were doing. I, well, again, I'm doing a lot better now that I'm kind of sticking my head out of, out of the back out into the world again, right? So Yeah, I, me too is what I'll say, me too. Um now, the first thing I just want to talk about in the world of Linux is I'm going to start with my mind's been changed. I was mistaken. I was wrong. I was incomplete. And I just really was surprised by some of the changes. And I'll say this. The two words I love to say are, I don't know. And I was wrong. Um, <laughs> because if I say I don't know, it gives me the opportunity to learn something. And, you know, I, right. I like, I like learning stuff. Um, if I say I was wrong, that means I did learn something. Ooh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, huh. there are plenty of people I know that will not say, I don't know. They'll say, oh, I'm not sure. And then they also won't say I was wrong. They'll say, wow, I was misinformed about that situation. Mm, right. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to say I was completely wrong. And what I was completely wrong about was I really hated the idea of gaming, pushing Linux technology forward. I didn't want okay. gaming to own that mantle. I didn't want gaming to say, well, if it wasn't for us, Linux, you would be, you know, far behind. I didn't want that to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Number one. Number two, um, I swore up and down that KDE is the heavy, bloated, slow desktop. Um, and I'll say this, Not it, it was. 
Wow. Uh, do but, tell, Dor. You got me intrigued right now, my friend. Well, but I'll say today in 2022, KDE Plasma Desktop is, I'll just say, like to sound like an Aussie, it's ripper fast. Um, <laughs> it just flies. It flows. It's, And I use i3 as my normal daily driver desktop. Okay. That, that's what I use because I want function over form. Right. But but when I use KDE Plasma in a proper environment, it is literally lightning fast. I can find everything I want to find pretty quickly, qu you know, um, almost as mm. fast, if not faster than on GNOME based things. And I'm, you know, been using GNOME since 2006. So I should hey, know hey, everything. Hey, Dor, hey, Dor, here's a quick like interjection thing. When, now, when you say when we're talking Plasma, my... Uh, memory is right or if i'm mistaken let me know but like when you talk about plasma plasma desktops they have these things called like plasmoids right or something like that or like they're instead of like icons they're called like plasmoids or as those are the plasmas they're like icons but more powerful than icons does that make sense yeah on the normal uh, desktop you would have just another folder with other files in it um mm -hmm. on the plasma desktop you can have dot shortcut files or you can have the plasmoids which are literally like icons like on steroids right right okay okay yeah also okay. on plasma desktop it's very easy to integrate what they call activities um aka activity on podcasting i click that oh activity, i've heard of this and yeah. it can automatically launch obs mumble um, let's say I use the Brave browser when I podcast, you yep. know, and, and it could automatically yep. group those things together, which I'll say it's also pretty powerful. That's cool. Now, what's your experience with that? Is it pretty quick? Say if you're like, all right, launch podcasts or whatever, does it pull up all your apps pretty quickly? Like, you know, as if you're just kind of like click, 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 doing it yourself? Yeah, what it's almost like, um, it's almost like if I were to log in and I have my startup applications listed, um, mm. but instead of having to log out and log back in, I'm literally just switching users. It's basically as fast as that, which, wow. Wow. I can, which I can say is desirable for a, a lot of use cases, but not maybe for everybody. That's really cool. Well, now here's the real, here's the real kicker kind of thing. Um, the reason I had my mind changed about these two things, I kind of can't show people on youtube the video of it because i'm using it right now um <laughs> and that is um my wife let me in air quote and she did she let me get a steam deck um and this is literally a amd ryzen powered laptop crunched a little bit smaller uh running arch linux with the uh, steam os on it steam os on it and easily in steam os you can hit the power button once or the steam button once scroll down to switch to desktop mode and then it launches a pure kde plasma desktop where you can just simply load up a terminal type p-a-s-s-w-d and bam you have root dude yeah that's awesome well and here's how it's i'll say this okay here's how it's even more awesome um in the Steam operating system, you can click a button, go down, and it will tell you every single component on your device nice. and the version of each of each of those devices on because there's like two different thumbsticks you can have, two different fingers right. you can have. It will tell you which one you have. You don't even have to open it up. Um wow. Valve also basically teamed up with iFixit to publish complete teardown videos and how to replace part videos on everything. Um, mm. uh, they also said 
this operating system is Linux. It's Archbase Linux. Um, mm-hmm. any, any, anybody can contribute to it. We might not take it, but anybody can right. use it as well. And there's already at least one manufacturer that said they're going to release uh, x86-based handheld device, I believe, early next year that's going to be running the same operating system, essentially. Um, so, and the long and the short of it is, this is the nuclear weapon. This is the like, you know, 1918 pandemic coronavirus getting out onto the public that will change people's perspectives forever. It, and that's, I'm, mm. I don't believe I'm overstating that. I believe this handheld unit will change consumers' perspectives on game console devices uh, uh, until time ends. So now this, this Steam Deck, it's not like an Xbox where you plug into the TV then, right? It's more like a laptop kind of thing or whatever. Well, here's how, here's how, and here's why I think they're also doing it right. Um, kind of like the Nintendo Switch. You can okay. play in handheld mode, or you can put it into a dock, just slide it into a dock, and then it will be mm. projected onto a TV screen. Um, Interesting. With the Steam Deck, it's in handheld mode, you know, seven-inch screen, nice big screen, touch screen controllers, nice buttons. Um, and they just released the Steam Dock, which I will admit I do think it is a little bit overpriced. But considering the wife said, what do you want for Christmas? And I said that I got it, but I I haven't unboxed it yet. But using my other USB-C dock, it's very easy to just plug it up to via USB-C, HDMI out, big screen TV. Um, I can connect a game controller to it, external game controller to it. And it plays just like now a desktop console. And but here's here here's like the ultimate kicker. Here is what no game console manufacturer can even begin to compete with. All those other things I mentioned, they can't compete with either. But this is the one thing that they will never be able to compete with. If you're already a PC gamer, um, doesn't matter if you're Windows or Linux, okay, doesn't matter. Um, you have your Steam library. You might have 20, you might have 20,000. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You might have whatever. When you buy this console on day one. Your entire library is at least available for you to try and play. Um, I want to say they have almost a success rate of almost 90% now of really? games. Yeah, of games in the library working via the Proton layer, which is nothing more than wine compatibility layer. Um, okay. and because you can access desktop mode, you can install custom versions of Proton, like like heavily focused towards game A, B, or C. Um <clears throat> but here's the real kicker. You know, that's great. That's fine. So this game console launched with the largest possible game library of any console that ever existed number one number two Mm. it launched with a larger game library possible than all other game consoles that ever existed combined wow so nintendo sony microsoft none of them can compete with this um and then here's here's the ultimate kicker when they come out with a steam deck 2 a steam deck 3 a steam deck 4 a steam whatever you will yeah. be able to play all the games you already purchased. You do not have to right. buy them again. Well, Boom. dude, it, I mean, honestly, this opens another market for like hardware people. For, I mean, forget Steam Deck. Like, you could, you know, they're already making the software available and everything. Every, there, there could be other manufacturers right now running out there and being like, I'm going to build the next whatever and use all the Steam. You know, I don't know. It's, dude, it's interesting. Well, that, and then here's the other Very thing. Very interesting. Um, the, the link isn't in the notes. I completely forgot about it. My bad. Sorry. Um, I want to say it's called <laughs> Helio OS. Okay. Um, for those in the know, you know, you have Visual Studio Code. Then you have VS Code Yum. It's the exact same application, but with the Microsoft binary blobs ripped out of it. Completely functional mm. application. Does everything VS Code can do, but does not communicate with Microsoft. 
Um, we, we've seen that with more than a couple applications in the past where they take it and they customize it. Like the Chromium base is brave, right. the brave browser kind of thing. Well, what they did was you can get copies of steam OS. They took out some of the, uh, um, things that were specifically only engineered for that one hardware spec of right now, the steam deck, and they made Helios, which is the exact there same operating go. system basically. And as long as you have an AMD, um, um, based Radeon, chip. Or Ryzen. Ryzen. Uh, I, I'm not sure you have to have a Ryzen as long as it's AMD based okay. chip, not Intel based. You can basically drop this and install it right on a x86 desktop computer. Mm. <laughs> now, 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 the real like kicker to me is I'm saying it. This is the year that Linux is becoming synonymous with computing to where, you know, it isn't going to be some weird odd thing that some big fat 30 year old in their mom's basement <laughs> picking their nose knows about this is something right. that we're going to have a majority of kids and gamers know comprehend and understand how to get to the desktop mode what a terminal is what arch linux is how to install right. apps you know it, it, it's like crazy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and i'll so, say this um here's the other reason why it's i think it's already the year of linux being real um um, one of the top KDE developers was at a conference less than two months ago, uh, and they did like a Q&A. And at one point in time, he turned to it, somebody in the audience says, I'm not sure if it's okay if I say this. And they just, and apparently they, they nodded yes. He said, we have already sold over 1 million of these devices. So right now, wow. the likelihood is 90% of those people have never used Linux before in their life. Now right. they're using Linux. This is the largest on-ramp we've ever had to the Linux ecosystem, mm. and I don't see it slowing down. Um, so how, very, how, how much are the Steam decks? Uh, well, the cheapest one, in air quote, is three ninety nine. Comes out to four seventeen. Okay. The most expected one it was I want to say six thirty. And what Valve said, very surprisingly to them, people are picking the high end version almost every time. Um, it's mm. almost like they're buying it to support Valve kind of thing it's like what's kind of the difference is it just more ram and stuff or whatever probably no hard drive? no this is the absolute other beautiful part about this this is why gabe newell should people in linux should be shipping him money um it's the really? same processor okay. the everything about each unit is exactly the same processor ram um okay. bus speed uh yep. screen ratio screen uh, every, the only difference is the low end you have a cheap emmc hard drive which is like phone grade storage. Okay. Um, the okay. middle tier, you have a um, M.2 SSD. Okay. Twice as long. Uh, and, and that middle one is on, say, 256 gig size. Yeah. And then the most expensive one has a 512 gig SSD plus it has a matte finish screen. That's the only differences between the, the three versions. Mm -hmm. Wow. To which me is very smart. That means they only have to target one platform to become, exactly. um, you know, um, efficient. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. Right. And then here's the other kicker. Okay. Every, um, every uh, promotional video ever put out by Valve about this device showing gameplay is running the game from an SD card. Because it has an SD card, you can get, I want to say it's up to a two terabyte SD card and shove it in. So you don't even need to have the high-end version. You can literally just like swap out That's SD cards and play your games. And every game they're showing is running off SD card, which is just like another testament to they're setting the, the bar low. The speed of the low. machine and everything. Yeah. Right. They're like setting the bar low and they're easily exceeding it. 
Well, that's like uh, under-promising and over-delivering, right? Uh, dare I say, uh, there's two lines that uh, Steve Jobs said that I agree with. Everything else, I'd like to punch him in his throat, but you know, he's dead. <laughs> um, one, um, always under-promise, over-deliver. Two, always ask. The worst they'll say is no. Exactly. So, yeah, I honestly believe because of what this device means, we are going to see Linux now ubiquitously everywhere. And we're going to have so many more people understand the basics of Linux. I think it's literally going to be insane. Um, I've showed this now to like three kids because here's the, here's the other gimmick. Xbox, Sony, Nintendo seem to thrive off of um, how you have the, um, the real scummy people going out, scooping up the hardware, then putting it on eBay, scalping it for like three times the price. Yeah, right, right. This is the other thing Valve did, I'll say near like genius like level of stuff. Um, they said, Well, you can't buy it directly from us. No, no, sorry. You can only buy it directly from us, but you have to have a pre existing account. Your account has to be at least a year old and you have, have had to have spent at least one dollar with us. This is what they said huh, on, no kidding. on like the initial launch of the device. So the only people no who kidding. can buy it for like the first eight months were people who were already Valve people, you know, uh, like Steam users people. and actual legit people. Yeah. 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 So we're having a, a remarkably low number of these showing up huh. on scalpers markets. So that's interesting. So they're literally like controlling the narrative and it's there and they're doing it wonderfully. Now they literally just like a last week or maybe two weeks ago opened up to say, if you order it today from Steam, you're, it's going to ship this week kind of thing. Where everybody else is experiencing wow. slowdowns. You know what I mean? Everybody right. in the world yeah. is experiencing slowdowns. Somehow, Tesla and Valve are like quadrupling their production. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, mm. you know, this device. And like and I've showed it to like four kids. All, of, all four of them were like... All four of them were like, what is that? I never heard of that. And then I put it in their hands and they're like, oh my God. And then they run to their parents. That's what I want for Christmas. Yeah. So is it like, a, is it a tablet, a physical like buttons and stuff with like the controller part if it's handheld? Um, if you ever played with the um, Wii U, um, okay, yep. it had the big honking tablet with the controls yeah. built inside it. It's basically the, almost the same form factors that, except, okay. Okay. except much more ergonomical in the hands it looks all right that's cool kind of like how the steam controller looked ridiculous but then when you close mm. your eyes and put it in your hands like, wow this is like really comfortable really easy to use uh the same thing i say with this even though the switch is lighter the switch is thinner the switch yeah this is still more comfortable to hold for long periods of time mm. uh, and cool. i'll say um they have dual sticks directional pad ab the um, l1 and l2 but they also have two trigger buttons on the back. So they literally have like um, finger buttons on the back of the controller. So there's four more buttons back there, but the mm. real like coup de gras is they have two track pads on it as well, where your thumbs are, where you can use the track okay, pads then. if you want. And then here's how, again, I explained to my one cousin, here's another way that no game company can compete because this is a computer. And a exactly. desktop computer shoved into a thing, which means by default, you have infinitely customizable controls. Totally. And you can take your control scheme and you can say, I like this control scene. Let me save it. Let me publish it. And I can say, hey, Jonathan, you should try this control scene. And yeah, literally, right, dude? yeah. And the cream rises to the top. The more people that like a control scheme, the more popular it becomes, the more popular it becomes, the more people that use it. So, you know, if you get a game that's been out for more than a week, and you go into the control schemes, 
you're going to find like the default one probably works just great. Mm, man. Yeah. So, um, and I'll say it like this. We, as a community of old people, we have had emulation nailed for like a decade now. We can emulate almost anything like Nintendo Switch. We were able to emulate less than a year and a half after it launched, which, you know, <laughs> right. which is kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but we have emulation nailed. The weak spot of emulation has always been the same thing. Input controls. How do you interact yeah. with it? Because some people would use mouse keyboard. Some people would use this Logitech controller. Some people would use the Xbox and it wasn't consistent across devices. Now that we have over a million people with the exact same hardware using emulation, right. the control, I mean, listen, I'm playing N64 games. I swear the controls are more precision. They're, they're more precise. They're per the precision and preciseness of the controllers are precise. Um, where it's better than the original controller. That's crazy. Right, right, right. But I, 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 I dude, I now I want to get one for one of my kids for Christmas. Well, and then ready. Here's the other kicker. I know there's a lot of kickers with this thing. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are running a emulation platform called EMU Deck, E M U D E C K, which is really powerful, really polished, really nice. Uh, scans your libraries, adds media, pretty interfaces, yada yada yada. Uh, but there is another, like, built into Steam, available for free, RetroArch. And that's mm. the one that, it's the back end of what everyone has been using for now for, like, eight years. Uh, but oh, RetroPie or whatever? Exactly. Uh, yeah. we, well, it's all part of LibreCore. And LibreCore okay. is the base. RetroPie, RetroArch build off of that. And okay. if you get the official Steam version of RetroArch, the DLC is the different emulators. So you can literally say, give me the SNES emulator, give me the PS1 emulator kind of thing. But then when you load up RetroArch, they have a new thing where it's literally called, I want to say, I'm going to probably call this the wrong thing, but it's remote netplay. So quite literally, I could load up NES ice hockey and I can say to a guy in New Zealand, let's play ice hockey because he's already Dude, in my friends shut list. Up. Oh yeah, exactly. And you can play multi, you can play um, games that were meant to be couch co-op over the internet. Dude, that is insane. That to me is like we've now reached peak mecha. Yeah, seriously. Like I could play you in Tech Mobile right now. That's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Tech Mobile, Super Tech Mobile, and you know, again, sorry, tied tangent. Tech Mobile is one of those <laughs> games. The fans were so fanatic, which I know it's like oxymoronic saying, but the fans were so <laughs> fanatic. They literally have updated ROMs with updated rosters for like almost every football year. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And, and that is one of the games where I like, dun, 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 dun. again, yeah. Uh -huh. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Way too much fun, as one would say. Um, and then because now we've nailed emulation so good, you can use safe save states. You oh, can yeah. you can share your save state. You can use rewind features like you know Dude, Prince you of Persia. Share your travel. save state. That's insane. Everything about this is it's literally this is peak retro nerd thing. Um, the only thing I haven't figured out how to do yet is how to properly emulate in television because that controller was so messed up. Oh yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Like a telephone with a little knob right. at the top of it. Yeah, yeah it, it it was not normal. Is what I'll say. Yeah. No. To, yeah, yeah man, I'll tell you what, that's high praises for uh, the Steam Deck, it sounds like. Now, what I'll say I'm not wrong about is 
Fedora still doesn't exist. It's just a beta channel of Red Hat. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I just had to say Why? that. What, yeah. what, what, have, what have they been up to? <laughs> Nothing. That's the whole thing. Well, they finally killed CentOS proper. It's dead. It doesn't yeah. exist anymore. But Red, yeah. but now it's just officially official. Fedora doesn't really exist because it only lives for like nine months and then they kill it. Where every mm. other district mm. on the face of the planet, you get at least like a couple of years of updates. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's their testing ground, their stomping ground for beta stuff to go into Red Hat. And I understand if I was Red Hat, I, w- I would want something like Fedora around too. But right. I don't like Java. I hate Java. I hate everything about Java. I never want to do anything Me with too. Java again. And it Me seems too. like the core functionality of Red Hat is to create Java stacks and to, you know, inside of enterprise environments. Um, mm. One more side tangent. Um, we um, now my nine to five, we have a brand new, um, in air quote, tool that we're using hundreds of billions of dollars, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I was part of the team that was deciding what vendors to listen to, what should be our goals and should be our objectives. At one point in time, I said, you know, I really think we need to go with a full Java stack. And the head of IT said, but we're a Microsoft shop. Why would you say that? I said, well, it'll be like we can napalm the entire office and just start from scratch. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he didn't like that very much. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So that's my like most recent. This is the only thing I've been excited about with Linux for like a year because I love the fact this is the most functional mobile computing device I've ever had in my life because I can easily drop in to a full desktop, pull up a terminal, install whatever I want, and move on. Now, I will say, uh, you, there's two things you got to do. There's one command that makes the root partition essentially uh, writable. Uh, mm. one, once you do that, then you really have to set a password. Once you set up the root password. Oh, you have to like chmod it or whatever. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the actual command I had to run. Uh, but then the gimmick is when there's big updates, all, all your changes get wiped out. So right, that probably makes sense. So there's certain things. So like if you install a flat pack, though, from what I can gather, um, since I've installed the Flatpak version, it seems like I've gotten updates, but my changes haven't went anywhere. They're 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 like still there. Where if I drop and type Pacman dash S U, I believe, and install something, those changes get wiped out. Hmm. Okay. Right. Oh, that's right. I, I totally forgot it's using Arch. That's right. Yeah. And then um, so at any point in time, you can there's like one command you can run, or you can go into the gamer interface and you can easily just reset the entire device and start over. Almost in the mm. same way how Chromebooks have that hidden storage on board to where yeah. during boot, if it thinks it got infected, it will reflash the entire operating system. I believe yeah. I believe this device is doing the same kind of thing where there's some hidden storage off to the side and at any point in time you can say revert back to it uh, i'm going to guess that's going to extremely m- mitigate rmas back to them yeah exactly i don't know man this is pretty exciting uh and and, and like the gimmick is um in it brand new uh yes if you run a triple a game at full blast 60 frames a second yeah you're going to get like an hour and a half battery life that's what happens sure. uh, yeah. but the other thing they also did smart is there's a button you can launch and it will basically have a hardware level tweak tool in a game to where you can say, okay, limit this game to 30 frames, limit this game okay. to this resolution. So you can forcibly keep things at a, like a, a tighter a uh, frame rate. Yeah. Lighter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To extend battery life. But then of course, if you run something like, you know, um, um, 
I'm trying like like GTA three, for instance, um, you're gonna get like eight hours of battery life. So like what what's the best game that you have on that you played or whatever for like gra- graphics and stuff like that? Oh uh I'm gonna say it is Borderlands two. Okay. Which is like a first person shooter. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, my son plays that game. Yeah, and it has more like cell shaded cartoony graphics, but it, you know, it definitely takes a little bit of a toll. Yeah. That's but pretty see, cool though. But one of the funnest games I played that's not on emulation, it's called Vampire Survivors. Um mm. it's akin to basically old school arcade like graphics. Uh you only have a joystick. All you do is move around and okay. then you fire at a preset rate and then you can get power ups that can change the rate of your fire, the type of your fire kind of thing. And then if you max out certain things, they combine and create super weapons and the enemies like are extremely good is what I want to say. Um, mm. it, but the best thing about the game, like back in the day, if you were to play Atari, you could play um, a Kaboom and get like a world record pace yet. You could still sit there as you're playing it and talk to somebody. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's how I classify that game. Vampire survivors. It's a kind of game where you can become a master at it, but yet you can still hold a conversation with somebody as you play it. Where most games, huh. too much attention is needed. You know, you can't do yeah, it. Yeah. Interesting. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, definitely different. Um, so I personally believe, uh, you know, this is this steam deck version one. It's kind of like the first CR 48 Chromebook. I had that at that time. And when I had that, I said, you know, this is going to change people's perspectives on computing because really oh, the yeah. operating system now it is a browser. If you don't have a browser on a computer, it's literally useless. And if you only have a browser on the computer, you can nearly do everything. Dude, um, that was the best way to put that I've ever heard it for sure. Well, and I believe this gaming device, this format of gaming device running this operating system in five years will be maybe not the majority owned but there will no longer be talks about only Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think there's, there's a. It sounds like there's a new a new player in town now for sure. Well, and Val and Gabe Newell and Valve, um, they kind of hinted at this for years. You know, they had the Steam boxes that failed miserably, yeah. like miserably. Um, they they had the Steam controller that they had to stop selling because of lawsuit things, which I still think is almost the best controller I've ever had in my life. Um, they've taken those things in the past that were complete failures and they did what what good companies and organizations are supposed to do you're supposed to learn from it and don't give up by garth oxhammer never give up never surrender yeah you know so and i watched that movie the other day again uh uh, um and i did watch that movie again the other day uh galaxy quest never give up never surrender um wow it holds up very well (laughs) man yeah, that, that's, uh, I don't know, like I said, it's impressive to see someone doing something pretty cool with Linux and uh, outside of, you know, uh, data-driven stuff, like, you know, big industrial stuff or whatever. It's cool to see Linux being used for some cool stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, we're always going to have a foot in cloud computing. <laughs> we're always going to be in enterprise server rooms. We're always going to be the backbone of Chromebooks, it seems like. Um, right. We're always going to be the basics of, of, like, probably the main driving thing, maybe even in phones. Um, Google's working on Fuchsia, so we might lose some traction with some of that stuff. Um, but, you know, um, 
the slow look slow and steady has always won the race. Okay. Uh, sure. Apple was near extinct when I first started this podcast. When I first started this podcast, I remember telling, um, Cherubino, Oh, this is it. Their sales keep going down and down and down and down at this pace. You know, in like five years, they're going to be non-existent anymore. Of course I didn't know that like, you know, eight months later, whatever, they'll come out with an iPhone. iPhone. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So one of those things. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I can only say that, um, valve is proven that, um, they don't like how other game companies work and look, I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I ain't going to lie. I know I'm a fan. And, but Nintendo is the Apple of game companies. I have no problem admitting that as well. Because, mm. you know, they will sue you into existence. They will do their own proprietary thing. Um, You can only play Mario where they say you can play Mario. And right. Who plays yeah. Else. Um, yeah. And Valve is quite literally the um redneck in the room. And, mm. I say, and I say that because the original term redneck had nothing to do with Scots Irish people in the Appalachian Mountains, but it actually comes back from Scotland, where rebels against the king wore red ribbons around their neck, so they were rednecks. Mm. So mm. quite literally, Valve and Gabe is the rednecks in the room, basically like the anti-dips, like terrorist, like completely anti-government kind of thing, just making explosions all around the room and i'm sure nintendo sony microsoft are all going to like ignore it like it doesn't exist until it's too late right yeah because i mean i imagine uh i don't have the numbers but it would be i i I can speak from experience i have three boys two out of three are total pc gamers than than console gamers and the only reason why my youngest is a console gamer is because i haven't bought a pc yet so so it's in, I'd, I'd be interested to see like you know a lot of these PC console you know PC players are gonna be like jumping on this thing because it's I don't know it's kind of mind boggling to know you can take your PC games handheld now with you and you know plug it like I'd buy my youngest son this now instead of having to buy him the P- gaming PC I could buy him this. Well, and like here's the other truth thing. Um, the other thing that Valve I don't want to say invented, but the other thing that they did better than anybody else back in the day was cloud sync. In the mm. properties of each game, by default, CloudSync is turned on. You can turn it off if you want. But you can quite literally be playing on your handheld device, exit the game, 30 seconds later, go onto your desktop, go onto your laptop, go onto whatever, and you're playing the exact same save state automatically. Um, but here's the thing that I think, one of the things I forgot to say about the Steam Deck that I think um, makes it the user experience best ever. Um, at any point in time, you're playing the game, you can just tap the power button, powers down goes into hibernation in you know a second you're ready to play, play it again you you tap that button again less than a second later you're back up to that exact same spot playing that exact same game mm-hmm. that's that's linux right there that is the power yeah that is the power yeah, of using that, the operating system exactly that's the, that, that's linux getting flexed right there <laughs> yeah and, and i'll say uh the guy from kde who did the talk said uh, not only do we have like a, a million people using this device um for like a year he said for like a year and a half before we knew what was going on we kept getting feedback from valve about well can you change this can you enhance this why does this look like this can you combine this to and and he was like they wouldn't stop giving us you know things to do and every time we stopped and we thought about what they were telling us to do we're like yeah they're right this is good yeah this is good this is good um to where now like when i'm like loading up a system monitor this system monitor is the most advanced 
most like like intensive detail oriented monitor application I've ever seen in Linux in my life. Um, and mm. I'm like, a, and I'm like a stickler. I love bash top. I love H top. I love going in and seeing process. No, this one blows everything away. Um, the usability of this desktop. If I had, if my main rig down here was an AMD based chip, I would have already had Helios on it. Um, and been running that mm. desktop mode. Mm. Not bad. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the, like, I'll say the best praise I can give it. Yeah. For real. Honestly, that's like I said, this is so now how long has the Steam device been actually for sale? The Steam Deck? I want to say less than a year, maybe 10 mm. months. Wow. That's um, really impressive. Well, it was for sale, but it didn't even ship for at least like seven months, I want to say. Man, and so everyone's I, kind of just getting them now ish or whatever. Well, it was insane how when you first pre-ordered it you had to wait like six months to get the device kind of thing um yeah and then with each week they were able to speed up ship the process even more yeah right even more now here's the tangent here's the other tangent uh i found out basically why how um the short of it is when anyone tries to describe something um that is like in the real life with just a simple term like oh there's a chip shortage it is so much more nuanced than that. Okay. Um, right. Right. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's like what, Oh, it's a chip shortage. That's like you're outside of the solar system looking at the planet. Okay. That's so, like, <laughs> so, so let's at least come into orbit of the planet and let's describe what the actually is going on really quick. Okay. There's three levels of chips, basically high end, mid end, low end. Okay, on the high end of chips, that's all your main processors, your main GPUs, your um, supercomputer processors, your um, um, ASICs, uh, um, crypto processors. Okay, all of them, 80% of them come out of three countries, are made in three countries, are produced and manufactured in three countries. United States, yeah, United States, Taiwan, and... Uh, Oh man, I can't remember the third one. I want to say Indonesia. It might be like Germany or something. Or I, don't, yeah, I don't know. No, it was somewhere southeast. I know that. So right there, high-end chips. All the high-end chips are coming from there. Notice some countries that aren't in that list. In that list, okay, mid-tier chips. Mid-tier chips. You think of these as like your as like your main phone processors, or your your mm. like tablet processors, or your low-end Chromebook processors. Uh, those kinds of things, or like the main processors in like your cable box. Okay, those yeah, are your mid-tier chips. Crap. Right. All of those chips are made in um, Taiwan, Indonesia, and Thailand, I believe it is. Again, notice what country's not in that list, okay? <laughs> right. Okay. Now you get to the low-end chips. These are the chips that only at the best can run IoT-type stuff, like quite literally like smart plugs kind of thing, like, yeah. like, like really the dumbest of the dumbest thing that only knows on or off kind of thing. Um, those chips are made in Taiwan, Indonesia, um, India, and China. Um, and because, now, just to get a touch political, uh, since China <laughs> has not been able to make a successful COVID vaccine ever, uh, they still, in this late 2022, are doing complete citywide lockdowns because they can't control yeah. it. Um, that's where the chip shortage is coming from. We're having a hard time getting these low-end chips. Now, if we want to talk low end, we can't get any more precise to low end than automobiles. 
Um, auto manufacturers are the cheapest things in the world that want to move as slow as possible and maximize and maximize profit for as long as possible. So those guys are still using chip technology from 12 years ago. They oh, only yeah. have low end chips in their car. And then every now and then they have an intermediate chip. Um, so they're having like the biggest hard time getting their chips. Uh, you can go into any store. You can buy any laptop, any desktop you want because those chips are readily available. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. So thus Tesla makes their own chips and right. the chips in the uh, Steam Deck, um, Gabe knew ahead of time what was coming. <laughs> And he basically pre-ordered a bunch of things, had all the supply chains already lined up and fully stacked and packed and paid. So now he was literally able to quadruple how much they're putting out in the last six months. Well, and dude, not only that, he, he's using x86 processors. They're, they're desktop and laptop processors he's using in, in the machine. Yeah. So just, and, so, and what that entails, but and the biggest like side Plus to that is a no shortage, but B it's, you know, everything is should at least run. It might not run beautifully or like without some kind of hiccups, but it's going to run. Exactly. It's kind of yeah. genius. Well, and I'll say the handheld device, it's a handheld device. It has 16 gigs of Ram. Oh, mm, I love Damn. Ram. Damn. Yeah. I love me some Ram. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, you can easily take this on the road. If you're, even if you're a businessman, you can take it on the road, take your deck, put it in a dock. Slap it up on a t on a screen. You can use your Microsoft Teams or your Google Meet or whatever, and you can do whatever you need to do. You can use your Office 365. You can use your right, yeah, LibreOffice. You can use anything that you can think of, basically. Because now this is 2022. You know, I remember we had a hard time getting audio editors on Linux. <laughs> you know what I mean, now I dare people to tell me stuff you can't run on Linux. Yeah. Right. And I remember the, the the biggest thing was Photoshop too back in our day. Everyone wanted Photoshop, Photoshop, and video editors. And now, yeah, I mean, yep. I I dare people to tell me there's not a competent video editor on Linux, right? Yeah. Now, no, speaking back cool. in the day, video editors. Um, I will also throw this out there. If you notice, me and Jonathan, we had our just little personal thing in the very beginning, but then we tried to get like get right into it. There's a reason for that. There, and there's a reason for that. Um, like I now subscribe to 180 different podcast feeds. Um, I listen to between 24 and 40 hours of podcast a day. Mm -hmm. I can only listen to one Linux podcast anymore because 90% of what most podcasts are talking about are like Halloween movies or like such mm. minuscule details about Linux that I don't care about. Like, you know, like the kernel level patches kind of thing. Oh, great. Oh, so now we can do a US 2222. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, I love when ButterFS gets upgraded. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, I don't either A, they're talking about such minute details about Linux. I don't care kind of thing. Uh, or they're talking about like Halloween movies and how, um, you know, the first Halloween movie had the original thing. I don't care. I don't care. Maybe Linux was running some part of it though. Well, okay. And then here's like the devil's advocate <laughs> kind of thing. And that's why I say right now in 2022, 90% of the things happening in air quote on Linux are not exhilarating. They're mm. not well, discussion worthy. Well, well, because back in the day, like, you know, again, however long ago, like 
desktops are still, you know, desktop computing anyways was more of a thing. I mean, now that we have mobile, you know, mobile phones and tablets and everything, I mean, the desktop computer has certainly taken a back seat. So why should there be crazy desktop wars anymore? So it's, you know, it, it's interesting. It's good to see, like I said, Valve implementing Linux in this way and, and sitting, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants and showing people like, hey, Linux can actually be used for something else other than kind of like running the running the New York Stock Exchange. You know? Well, I, honestly, I uh, something just changed in the last like six months and the base system of the stock exchange, I believe, changed. But I couldn't catch Ooh. what happened because I know there was a big oh, announcement. How I said that. <laughs> right. Because I well, because at one point in time, I remember everyone was screaming how it's moving to Linux. It's a real time kernel. Nothing can be this fast and responsive. We, you know, and then I literally just heard, I want to say it was less than six months ago, how something key changed in the core of the stock exchange but i couldn't catch it mm, no kidding but you know again it's just uh i i it's i don't want to see too much right now but the, the indoor doesn't even know really anything about this either but i'll just say it's kind of like right here in this episode at, right at this point here i'm working on a project that is it's fascinating to hear all this about the uh this uh steam deck that's all i have to say because uh it what i'm working on this isn't a video game thing or anything but it, it I'll talk to Dora more about it, but it's just I'll have more to say about some interesting projects I'm working on that's going to be uh, using Linux for like the underlying technology. And like you won't even know it when you're using the device. It's going to be awesome. And that's the best. Okay, and look, uh, Linus Torvalds said, I want to say it was now about 12 years ago, the best desktop environment is the one you don't even notice is there because you're too busy using right. the applications and the things behind it. I agree with that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other way I was told this was uh, Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. When that game mm. came out on GameCube, people were screaming that the graphics were like, these blocks of sh of cell shaded graphics. You know, this is like a downgrading graphics is what they kept saying. Mm. Um, but when I played the game, the graphics just like bled right through and I just played the game. I just had fun. I didn't. Right. Even, and the best kind of graphics, it turns out, are graphics you don't even notice until you hit pause and then you look around. Well, look at Minecraft. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that says it all right there. Yeah. And it like and like, you know, a lot of people, I think, with Minecraft finally got woke. I'm using that word. They got woke <laughs> to that graphics aren't the end all be all of a gaming experience. You have to right. make it fun. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Right. So, um, like, uh, uh, another, like, um, Linux related thing that I will say is, um, I only listen now to one Linux podcast and I'm going to not tell you what it is, but I'm going to use like a analogy kind of thing. Um, so I've had this one desktop that's streaming, Jonathan, this is this, the, the streaming rig I'm using is the same streaming rig that you built and shipped to me. How long ago was that? <laughs> Dude, at least 10 years ago. I'll just say eight. Yeah, something like that. Okay, but that's eight, still, eight to 10, eight to 10, right. eight to that, 10. That's still the same streaming rig. Okay. And then my main rig here that I'm, that I'm physically on, um, it is now uh, seven generation old kind of thing. Mm. Uh, the Intel processors, like we're now up to 13. This is like generation six, I want to say. Yeah, um, yeah. So I installed operating systems on them and I never updated them. I never, I updated them. I never upgraded them <laughs> at all. So over the last like week, um, I decided to slightly in air quote, modify my normal command. I was run because I have a list of commands and it's separated by 
ampersand ampersand, which means I only got to run like one long command and it does all these in succession. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It is pseudo apt update. Um, you know, ampersand ampersand is between all these commands. Pseudo apt update, pseudo apt upgrade, pseudo apt dist upgrade, pseudo apt full dash upgrade. Oh man. Pseudo apt auto clean, pseudo apt auto remove. Mm. Um, pseudo apt dash get space install space aptitude dash y pseudo aptitude safe upgrade and pseudo snap refresh so by running that in air quote one command i'm able to do everything i need to do including delete old kernels off my system so using that one command i would basically run that command until it wouldn't run anymore and then i decide to do the inevitable of sudo do dash release dash upgrade. And I took my <laughs> streaming rig. I took my streaming rig from Ubuntu 16.04 up to current. And it was I like 22 something or whatever. 22.04. And I did my desktop <laughs> from 18 or, or my main rig from 18.04 up to current in Dude, honor that's a, that of Dave Yates. <laughs> well that's in honor of the podcast i uh, that's in honor of the podcast i still listen to and there you go <laughs> and the desktop took like three days to upgrade and my laptop took like two days to upgrade and everything still works everything still works fine dude, nothing broke yeah dude the second you started tell go with that story is like sounds like a uh a, a someone a someone story from from back in the day doing doing such a thing on a on an a operating system called Debian. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I'll say, you mentioned Dave Yates. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Every now and then, I still see blips of Dave Yates. And when I say that out loud, I guarantee you there's not a single listener that knows the platform or the interface I'm going to say next. Mm. Where I see Dave Waite. Where I see Dave Yates' activity and where Dave Yates sees my activity. Mm. It's on Google Maps. <laughs> Did you guys share like locations or whatever? Well, no, no, no. On Google Maps, it turns out you can follow people's like reviews and stuff. And all oh. of a sudden, like one day I got a thing that said, you have a new follower. I'm like, excuse me? And I look at it and it says David Yates. I'm like, hell yes, he can follow me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, no kidding. Yeah, there that and... And uh, Tracy Holtz did share his location with me, so I have shared it back with him. So he's like all over the U.S. hauling rigs oh, yeah. and trucks. Yeah, he's all, yeah, exactly. He's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what I'm going to say, Jonathan, is we've literally been going for an hour. We've talked about mainly just one thing. Um. I did send you a list of stuff, and the whole and the real reason I sent you the list of stuff is just because I just wanted someone else to see. You know, there is stuff happening. It's not. It you know it, like one of the more mundane things that I thought was still relevant was Ice WM finally got to version three. <laughs> you know, you know it's funny that made me think of a of a of a time our, your good friend and I's uh, John at Dog Hall, where I think it was at one of the Ohio's that uh, the Ohio Linux Fest we were at, and he was just it was when we were sitting around listening to him talk and you know telling his Mad Dog stories. But I remember him being once like. Uh, someone was saying something about like a like an audio player, like in the it was like maybe the eighties, 
And they're just like, oh, it hasn't been updated or whatever, you know, like blah, blah. But Mad Dog is like, maybe it's finished. <laughs> you know, he was like, nothing. It's like software doesn't always need to be upgraded. It was just a good point that he made, you know, he, like, yes, he we're was done. nearly, <laughs> he was nearly irate, but still wanting to be nice. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and you know, he is absolutely right. Um, not all applications need updates. Um, Sure, if your application is a security risk, update it. But if you're an right. audio editor, maybe you're fine. Yeah, yeah, it was just funny. Maybe it's done. I was like, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And the other thing I always remember was when he was giving a talk and he accidentally knocked his flask off the podium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, God, I want to start crying right there. It was so great. <laughs> Well, it, I don't think that was the same one where we snuck him a beer while he's talking, was he? Because we had a backpack full of beer. That the backpack was the previous year before that, where I just walked right with his hand a beer. I don't care. <laughs> just right during the talk, I was like, "Here you go, Mad Dog. We know you need this." <laughs> oh, and and he was thankful too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say we have been. I, I believe we've been going for an hour. I'm not positive. Thing I yeah, had. the one yeah. the one thing that was cool that I caught my eye was like the distro box thing. That looked cool where you could pretty like just from the command line, you could launch these launch these containers with distros in them and like launch them and run them right in your terminal. And it has it, almost like a virtual machine it would give access to like the USB ports, your storage, everything. And you could still interact with like the host, like the host operating system. That looked kind of interesting. Like it's like a really quick way to get stuff up and running. It was kind of cool. Yeah, DistroBox uh, is one of those things where, um, again, if we would have had that thing like 12 years ago, oh, my oh, Lord. So, we that would have made Distro it. hopping to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah, because you can do it all in your browser. There is the dedicated website. I link to the GitHub because you can literally download the code yourself if you wanted to. But you exactly. can literally run it from their website. The only difference is, um, depending on how busy it is, you might have to click it and then wait for a slot mm. to become open which is perfectly okay. expectable. I mean, that's the way yeah. you know, resources aren't free. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it, so quite literally, if you want to hop into a fresh distro and try something to see if it breaks a distro, it's now officially true. There is no easier way to do it than just going to, going to distro box. It's just everything we've ever dreamt about. There, there was like eight, yeah, it listed like, it was like eight to 10 commands on their GitHub page. And it was just ridiculous. It was like, Distro box install whatever you know. Distro is like you know. Distro box enter into this container. I was like, wow, it was just so simple and easy. I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, um, and this is the kind of technology where even if I was a admin or a small box admin kind of thing, this is the kind of thing where I would have. <laughs> hey yeah, I would have in my holster at all times because if I'm getting ready to do something, the last thing I want to do is get the attention of the CIO. So let me run it on DistroBox first, and let's see what happens. For real. Yeah, no, it seemed really cool. Like I said, that, that was one of the things that kind of caught my eye. I was like, that's really cool. Just because it, it was so, like, the ease of access was ridiculous, insane. Yeah, and that is the <laughs> other. Yeah, And you, you've, like, uh, right there, like, tingled the other part of Linux that I think is really matured is the ease of doing even, ex like, expressly complex things. To have this kind of functionality back in the day would have required like literally an hour's worth of setup, um, probably downloading, you know, hundreds and hundreds of like 
megabytes just to get the like thing started. And then you would yeah, have to exactly. get each distribution yourself and you'd have to do all these things exactly. ahead of time to where now it's quite literally, you know, we've just, I don't want to say cut corners because that insinuates uh, some sort of, some sort of cheapening kind of thing, but we've, we've um, um, made fewer hops to the end of our journey. Yeah, well, this distro boxing, like really quickly in his notes too on GitHub, he was, he was kind of like, oh, thanks to like this project, this project, like this project for making it possible. He's basically saying like, hey, all I did was just kind of make this wrapper to make these kind of three or four things work together and voila. You know, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, and this is an example to me of a guy who saw what could be possible and just decided to like string it together. Exactly, which is, that's, that right there is the... Uh, the power of you know open source and linux or whatever right there that's how it's done yeah and it and the backbone of it is using podman and docker two tools i won't use because i don't have the patience to use them i don't have the need to use them but i'll be i'll be happy to use a tool that uses them exactly dude totally exactly like oh or use docker and wraps everything in it sure sign me up you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of like if i don't have to wash the dishes but the dishes still get washed i'm game if i don't have to use right. docker but it uses docker i'm game right well another thing that caught my eye too was the um the uh the cat that podcasting thing the cast uh something cast or cast whatever website or the, the self-hosted thing that was awesome um yeah a uh, cast pod this is the kind of thing now mm, 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 mm. okay um Secretly, Jonathan, uh, between me and you, um, I was able to hang with uh, your friend and mine, the Techie Geek, Russ Winter, um, about five months ago or so. Uh, he wanted to go to a, I can't remember what the correct term of it is. It's basically like a, a um, ancient, not ancient, but a, um, uh, his, uh, a antique gun show. Okay, there you go. And he says, do you want to go? And I said... If you want to go, then yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Techie Geek, I'll go with you anywhere, sir. <laughs> right. And and, it, and it's like, you know, and I, and I explained to him when I was there, Rush, you understand I don't like, don't even own a gun. And he was like, <laughs> and he like jerked, like, excuse me. And I says, no, no, me and my wife have a definite agreement, uh, understanding. When this marriage ends, one person's going out the door horizontally. <laughs> and the last thing we need to do is need to make it too easy for one person to you know make that yeah, commitment exactly <laughs> so yeah and and, and I was, look russ don't get me wrong i am absolutely a second amendment guy everybody who's capable and competent should have the ability to own whatever the hell you want i don't care yeah for sure but i don't own one so he was kind of shocked but we were walking around we were walking around and he mentioned he had a domain that i'm not going to mention that he transferred to me that I'm mm. tempted to install this app in air quotes on that domain so I can actually experience and see what it is. Long and the short of it is think of uh, this cast pod as basically an encapsulated, appified WordPress instance. It's not yes. WordPress. Okay. Thank it's you. not, right, Thank but, you. It, but it, but, but it isn't WordPress. Okay. Um, so what happens is it looks like you basically just download the zip file. You expand it on your directory. There's some basic yep. like scripts you run. That will initiate, um, instantiate, sorry, instantiate the, the database, uh, create base default credentials, get you started, get you running. And then all of a sudden you have yourself a podcasting platform. And in the podcasting platform, it can directly connect with stuff like WeChat or, um, oh, I can't, some other, all, all kinds of other 
like up to date stuff. It was kind of ridiculous. Right. It like, can connect. Yeah. Like Mastodon, all kinds of different platforms yep. in the back end. Yep. Uh, there are built in promotional tools to where you can like have, if you're downloading my podcast in Ireland, I can have Irish ads into it. If you're downloading right. yep. my podcast in Australia, I can have upside down ads in them. Exactly. Um, um it can help promote your podcast RSS feed with uh, simpler assistance to push it to Apple, Spotify, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. It, yeah, I think it's built. Yeah, it's like built in to push it all to that easily for you. Yep. Right. You can um, also, what, one thing that was cool too, not that I do anything with videos, but it was like it also has stuff built in to you to take video snippets and or audio snippets and then share those to like your social media feeds, like all within this, you know, within your kind of, you know, your domain here, your website. Like, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I was going to get there because one thing I wanted to mention was there is a actual official board of metrics on how you're supposed to get your audience numbers. And it's called the IABV2. Um, and this mm -hmm. does adhere to those guidelines. So if you tell somebody your audience numbers, this is a internationally exactly. registered standard. Yep, exactly. So those are like your legit numbers. Right. Um, like, and this yeah. is the in air quote podcasting 2.0 movement, which I will say, um, this is with Adam Curry, right? Well, yes, no. Um, it's bigger okay. than him, but yes, he is one of the guys who's pushing the podcast index and podcasting 2.0 standards to the okay. degree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So is this, this isn't, uh, but his thing is more crypto. Based. This doesn't, this isn't that at all. Right. It is not that at all, but it gives you the availability to be podcast 2.0 compliant is what I'll say. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Because one of the key things about podcasting 2.0 is to be able to give you, I want to say the correct term is a Shatoshi where you basically can give through the mechanism, like micro payments. Right. Kind of thing. Well, well, it, well, honestly, for, might be a sidetrack or whatever, but from what I understand, like with Adam Curry, anyways, his podcasting 2.0, I thought his sort of podcasting 2.0 thing is built on top of kind of like a blockchain. So like his episodes and all that actually get released like at, like on the blockchain, his MP3 files are like on the blockchain and like everything that happens within podcast 2.0 is literally on the blockchain. Well, I, and so it's, 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 its own whole self-hosted thing. You know, I don't know enough of it. I need to read more about it. I know a lot about the blockchain and NFTs and stuff, but I, I don't know enough about this. Um, from what I gather is um, one of the mechanisms you can release your podcast on is the IPFS, which is the interplanetary oh, file system. that is the blockchain. And it is, I believe, yes, a blockchain-based way of distribution. So cool. But dude, we're, we're installing this. We're gonna, that, this is what PodNets is going to run off of, man. It's going to be cool. Well, I'll just say this. Um, again, slow and steady wins the race. Um, <laughs> I have a hard time putting my stuff primarily on what I consider to be a, a profit driven platform. Um, mm -hmm. I don't care about Bitcoin. I don't want my chocolate and peanut butter mixed up. I want, well, the, yeah, yeah. But the, just, just so you know, the, I, the inter, interplanetary file system, which by the way, that's the best name for a file system ever, but, um, that's not just that's not tied to to uh bitcoin that don't think of, don't think of it that way I, well, I know but what i'm saying is um if people want to patronize me and you know give me mm -hmm. money 
I don't want it tied directly in with a feed type mechanism, nor a sure. podcast distribution type mechanism, because if people want to support me, I want them to be able to come from any angle, um, mm. not just one angle kind of thing. And I don't want to support one angle where I still do not know enough to know if mm. the rest of the mm -hmm. world could fall into a crater, but my stuff can still run just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that, and I know I'm a little bit hypocritical, but hello, I'm, I'm an American. We're all hypocritical. Um, <laughs> I run all of my feeds right now through FeedBurner. I and right. my 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 um excuse slash reasoning is hypothetically, what if Podnest.com becomes um uh, um uh, compromised? Um, right. I can go and create a new domain, Podnuts2.com. But yet, and then go to FeedBurner and point exactly. all my feeds Tied to that. back and everything, right. To where right. I don't lose the viewership, I don't lose the audience. Um, so I'm not going to say I'm never going to the podcasting 2.0 thing. I will say, um, kind of like getting an electric car. You can get it too early. You can get it too late. Sure. Sure. And then there's and then there's a sweet spot where you should, where you should get it. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah. think I don't think we're yet in the sweet spot of moving over. No, to, we're coming to up on it though, dude. We're coming up on it. On the podcasting 2.0, I, I, yeah. I think it's coming, but it's not quite here yet. Yeah, no, no. But I, like the, the, the one sort of thing that blockchain, you know, I, I, I'm played devil's advocate a little, little bit or whatever. But the argument for the blockchain is, well, if you're running podcasts, you know, Podnuts is running on whatever, you know, the blockchain podcast 2.0, you're not going to get compromised, right? Like that's that's kind of like the thing. You're on the blockchain. How are you going to get compromised? Everyone, everyone sees and validates everything that happens. That's sort of like the the catch, I guess, right? Yeah, but the problem then becomes if what if podcasting 3.0 comes out and then we lose a number of people off of that blockchain? It then becomes very easy for someone to stand up um, a cluster, take over fifty percent of the blockchain, then do whatever they right, want to do. Right. Yeah. No. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's all things to think about. <laughs> right. So, it, it, I mean, I, I, I will say this, I'll put it, this is the way I'll put it. It is a future. I'm not yet totally convinced it is the future for a long mm. period of time. Mm. You know, I, I know, do it's think, really, yeah, it's, it's really interesting now, like, oh, yeah. especially to play with. Well, especially and, to play with. and that's why I said I had this other domain where I'm tempted to try to do some stuff with, um, and now another tangent because that's apparently the name of this podcast tangent town um <laughs> when i first started doing this one of the things that was a limiting factor was feed burner does not like to have rss files greater than 128 kilobits mm. i believe mm. one meg mm. reason being if you have one million people refreshing that every hour oh shit you're right. gonna like chew through bandwidth like there's no tomorrow so they limit the amount right. of so then i stupidly say well let me pay this guy let me okay, now you go into my uh wordpress thing i don't want to download add-ons and plugins because that's vulnerability city um mm -hmm. so you go in you customize my version of wordpress to where i can produce two billion episodes but the feed will only contain the last 20 episodes mm. And then I started doing, and it, you know, fine, whatever. It, I knew the limit was there, but then I started doing um, the Revolving Door podcast, which was basically a podcast reviewing podcast. Every episode was like, like literally a minute and a half long. It was like super short podcast. And I would do, and I would literally like every week record like 10 and then once a day, release, 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 release. And yeah, then, yeah. And, and then like 150 episodes later, I really, I realized nobody can start from the beginning. 
Oh, right. So you get the last 20. Right. So I immediately got extremely agitated, upset, mad. So I just stopped doing that podcast. Um, so that's why I'm okay with trying other alternate systems kind of thing, because um, I, you know, I don't think I'm on the best platform right now. Unfortunately, I think I'm on a good enough platform. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But one other slight tangent is uh, in the same lines with um, this pod. What's it called? Not What's this app called again? It's not podcasting 2.0. What was the app called again? Cast the Opod. Cast Opod. They have a cool, like, this other thing that I ran into was like, oh, way to run it yourself, go ahead, click on this. And it led me to this other thing called UHost. Which you didn't you didn't put a link to, but I started going down this rabbit trail, and I'll just throw this out there. This looked really cool, where you could have like your own computer at, at your house, your own like Raspberry Pi, whatever. You go to this UHost thing, and it, it like walks you through like downloading like an image onto a USB drive, blah blah. blah you reboot it, it turns your USB drive into like a server or whatever, and then like. You can install this uh, this app onto that UHost. It looked really cool, like a seamless way to kind of do it without having to, like jump, like without having to understand, um, you know, installing all the dependencies and all that. It was like a prepackaged thing, and the, and it would just install this uh, Shadowcaster right onto this UHost installation for you. I was like, that's freaking cool. I can't say I found that UHost thing before, so I have to take a look at it. Yeah, if you click on uh, the link there to uh, to like install uh, the the the, 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 the whatever it's called there, when you go to click to install it, right below it, it's like, oh, do you not have a uhost account or whatever, or or do you want to run a self-hosted version? And it links to that uhost. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah. Other than that, very cool. Yeah, and I will say, um, again, um, you know. These are just the things that we found interesting. Um, if you out there find interesting things that you would like to hear uh, Jonathan's opinion on or my opinion on, it's super easy. Linux for the rest of us, um, I'm sorry, podcast at Linux for the rest of us.com, mail at podcast.com, door door geek at podcast.com. Uh, if you ping me directly on uh, social media platforms, I do believe I get a notice. Don't be shocked if it takes me a little bit to answer it. Um, I am at least semi-active on Discord. There is a Discord link in the notes. There should be. Uh, so if you hit me up on there, it's also equally easy. And is always 706. 7076-POD. Wait a minute. Now, I just really just completely stumbled on my thing. The phone number is 707-7076-POD. P-O-D-N-U-T. So that's 7. So it's just 706. Oh, man. I think it's 706 Podnut is the phone number. You can leave us a voicemail no, no, there. No, 7076 Podnut would be right. Okay. And then you can either call us there, leave us a voicemail, which I have had to keep activated because of the lack of voicemails, or you can just literally record on your phone and just send it to us. It's fine. Uh, if you are a listener and you swear that you need to be in this conversation in real time, A, you can't sound like you got marbles in your mouth. B, you can have dogs barking like in the background or a smoke alarm nonstop beeping every minute and a half mm. in the background. Um, C, you have to have a hardwired connection or else I will flip out like Steve C used to because <laughs> there's no such thing as a fast, non-latency encumbered wireless connection. Exactly. Wi-Fi always has hiccups and burps where it slows down. Um, just because you're streaming your 4k over it and it runs fine. Doesn't mean it's like a real time connection. Um, exactly. so yeah, if you want to be here, just don't hesitate to contact us. I am literally Jonathan. I'm tempted to almost literally open up this platform 
to be kind of like Linux Basics ish ish ish. Yeah, dude, that, that's what I'm saying. It would be interesting as a little test. Well, and I'll put it like this: um, we've been around long enough. We've been matured long enough. Uh, the platform we're using is mature enough. Uh, AKA, we're running this Mumble server off a of Raspberry Pi four, and it runs just fine. Um, right. <laughs> I, I, I've I've had 28 people connected to this server all and like open mic all saying stuff at the same time. I looked at the server load; yeah. it still runs just fine. Um, so it's there. If you want to be a part of it, you can. If you want to email us, you can. If you want to tell other people about us, thank you very much. And if you know what is the only Linux podcast I still listen to, send me an email, and you might win a prize. Ooh, there that would be interesting. It's not going to be a Steam Deck, I tell you that. <laughs> Maybe I can't afford that deck of cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, uh, do you have any uh, parting words? Uh, thank you for having me on, kind sir. I'm looking forward to many more episodes of speaking about nerdy open source awesome things. And um, the last thing I'll end with is um, I believe somebody told me Mr. John Mad Dog Hall is also on the board of conferences for Linux Fest Northwest. That's possible. It, it wouldn't surprise me. In hindsight, extremely <laughs> possible, I'll say. Uh, and I've had three people, when I said, hey, is anyone going to OLF this year in the first week of December? Nobody said yes. But I had three people wow. say But I had three people say that they're going to Lenox Fest Northwest next April, May timeframe. And would I consider going there? And the answer is yes. Yes, I would consider going there. As long as no one tells me I have to try the crab cakes. <laughs> between me and you crab cakes in portland oregon washington seattle willingham suck i'm yeah, sorry uh, you come you come from where they where they began so we love our old bay horn yeah exactly you know so <laughs> don't don't you know don't you know yeah um okay <laughs> so i definitely thank you jonathan i thank everyone for their patience and understanding i thank charles and uh john for coming out and hanging in the youtube chat um jonathan is blind so he's a really, yeah. so he can't keep up with the YouTube chat. Yeah, I am, um, I'm like ADD to where I'm pretty sure like in like a week or two, they're going to put me on some meds, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Cause it's really I'm difficult here to balance for, him out. Yeah. And it's like really <laughs> difficult for me to read, type back and communicate with Jonathan all at the same time. So I have to pick my poisons. Yeah. Yeah. No, again, I, I, I don't even think we even mentioned that just cause we assume whatever, but yeah, I'm totally blind. So. You are, but you can still easily see what is the best damn Linux podcast out there. There you go. Linux okay. for the rest of us. Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> uh, thanks for everyone for downloading and participating again, and we will hopefully talk to everyone again real soon. All right, see you.